Hello, podcast world. Welcome to Vicarious Living, a show about a couple Midwest dudes breaking down all the beauty that is teen drama TV. Vicarious Living, welcome back to the podcast. Welcome back to our third time guest in podcast studio. Let me read this intro for you. Tonight, a three-time VL co-pilot returns. She's got more tattoos than all the people I know combined, making her the most badass and alternative friend in my life. I realized today that she only chooses movies with the dude from Bring It On, one Becky M. Humbled and honored to be here. Thank you for having me back. Why is it that you only choose movies with the guy from Bring It On? I didn't realize it until you texted me the other day and was like, are you ready to do Swim Fan? I was like, oh yeah, that is a theme because I personally have just left the Bring It On phase of my life behind me. (laughs) Not my love for the movie, but my podcast experience. And I was like, oh, we're bringing it back. All right. That's back when you got really drunk, and nowadays you're not getting really drunk. I am not sober as a jaybird, as Travis says. So, Travis, catch the kids up. Who's Travis, and what's been going on in your life since Garden State? Garden State was the last pod you were here for. I was thinking about it before I came over here, thinking back to when, you know, Kraft Heinz days, Heinz days for me and you. Yeah, we used to work together. I got fired. Just us, like, when it was this very, like, Becky is going to be eternally single because she is such a mess, such bad taste in men, such a hopeless mope, and now I live with a man by choice. He's he's there by choice. And he, ha- he has a dick, he's a man, yeah. and he has a mustache, which is cool as fuck. Yes, and he's a nurse, and he just, like stomps around in his Doc Martin boots and his bald head and his mustache and goes into old ladies' homes and they all flirt with him and yeah, he's nice. We have a beautiful little West Side compound. Yeah, West <laughs> Side. Uh, and then you said he is very open and willing to do the some artwork for the VL podcast. Putting it out into the universe. Yeah. 
So Travis, if you ever want a high res image VL logo, let me know and we will collaborate on the sweetest we, what we were thinking like some signage in this podcast studio. Absolutely. Says like it's a little more professional looking than that. Cool. Okay, housekeeping real quick. Contact information, vicariouslivingpod at gmail.com. Send us an email, kids, or vicariouslivingpodcast on the Instagram where I spend way too much time not working and doing Photoshop for that Instagram account. Also, check out our swag. Slide into our DMs with either a dick pic or a request for our swag. If you send the dick pic, we'll just give you a t-shirt. I think that's fair. What's the ratio right now of swag requests to dick pics? Not not good. Not good, if I'm going to be honest. Like... Send a dick pic in and I'll spend the $20 out of my own pocket to give you a shirt. Find my handle on the Vicarious Living Instagram. Send me a dick pic and I'll make sure you still get a t-shirt. Love that. You love dick. I love that about you. Announce the movie we're doing tonight, Becky M. We already talked about it, but announce it officially. We are doing (laughs) Swim Fan, which forgot what a thriller it was. This movie, I haven't seen it in 15 years. And when I watched it again tonight, so good. I hadn't watched it, like, I think since probably around the time that it was released and didn't realize what a journey it would take me on. Yeah. So why was that a movie that, like, you really wanted to do? So that's the funny part, because I exactly was playing that back into my head on, like, why was I so hung up on this realizing now? Because I think there were other movies, obviously, that were already like claimed before me on movies that were like super high on my like formative movie of my high school years. But this was like truly one of them that like stuck in my head. And then I was thinking back, like, what was it? Why do I feel like that had movies had such an impact on me? I think it was truly the hot and steamy scenes. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, We'll, we'll get to that pool scene. Jesus Christ. The internet scandal element to it, I it really wasn't like as big of a component of the movie. I in my memory, I remember there being like lots more scenes of her hounding him through the internet and like through technology. And I don't know if that was just like something that was like a mind fuck to me at the time. You know what I mean? That would be like a crazy psychological element to this movie that it was like so nasty dark web. <laughs> Well, just to clarify, it wasn't at, he had to go to his school's library <laughs> to get internet because this movie came out in 2002 and I guess he had a computer in his room, but it wasn't fully equipped with internet. So I don't really know what the fuck, what are you using it for? This is the whole, there's a whole like side plot twist to this like podcast we could do on just the inconsistencies on what the technology accessibility is because he also has a motorola that's like a pager but it it types out complete text messages but i don't know if is she going to the school library and typing out those messages and they're coming to his motorola beeper but he also had a cell phone i was confused too because he had a pager it was a weird time in life where like people would have cell phones and pagers. But yeah, to your point, pagers didn't show text. They just showed if someone like a number that was calling you. And like people did have cell phones, but they weren't like the most reliable thing because there weren't there wasn't like 5G towers everywhere in the world or whatever. And so, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it existed. But 
really just like the level of freaky deaky shit that could go on on the internet was enticing to me i think as a child for some reason and <laughs> so that's why you picked it <laughs> yeah that and i think the fatal attraction element i'm glad you picked it for that because we have not had like a fatal attraction yes. movie on this podcast and that's exactly what this is is like teen stakes fatal attraction but like actually exactly as high of stakes as fatal attraction yeah because there's like murder and stuff that's <laughs> happening with these teens. Yeah, it's crazy. Okay, so this movie, 2002, oh, by the way, available to stream for free on HBO Max, which is where I checked it out. Directed by John Polson. I wrote, he essentially did nothing outside of this. He like exclusively directs ABC and CBS like TV shows. I mean, so, at least he stayed in the industry, I guess. He's just directing shows that like my mom watches like he's this is us this is uh uh no he didn't do that <laughs> one uh but very similar good wife lie to me the mentalist blue bloods elementary chicago med all shows like so that. like trash drama just garbage shitty network tv shows that are really bad that's what he does the only other thing about this director is he did one episode of the walking dead he directed an episode of the walking dead yeah was it like a make-a-wish thing probably yeah. Probably. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. did notice about this movie because, you know, coming off, I was in the vibes of the last movie we did, which Garden State, one of the best soundtracks. Oh, my God. Yeah. Was a huge, you know, point of discussion the last time around. And I just thought all of the songs in this movie were so adjacent. Like, it was like, sounds like Incubus, but definitely we couldn't pay for Incubus. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> The song, I'm only going to play one song in this pod, and it's on when we transition into the actual movie, but it was, for me, I had the same thought in my head, and it was Vertical Horizon. It's like, this is Vertical Horizon adjacent. Yeah. It's so clear, this movie's budget was not strong to quite strong. It was low. Uh, okay, let's read the plot of this movie. We've kind of hinted about it, Fatal Attraction stuff. Ben Cronin has it all. The admiration of his many friends, a terrific girlfriend, and he's on the fast track to an athletic scholarship. Ben's rock-solid, promising future and romance are turned upside down with the arrival of one Madison Bell. Madison, the new girl in town, quickly sets her sights on the impressionable Ben. While their first meetings are innocent enough, the obsessive and seductive Madison wants more. Dot, dot, dot much more swim fan <laughs> so steamy already i'm like sweating so this chick madison is a fucking psychopath so first of all what do you think about her physically let's hold on that because we'll we'll get to her oh character in the characters but yeah i have thoughts <laughs> okay fun facts on this movie before we get to individual characters though a lot of blue theme in this movie, and I think it was like <laughs> the director just going water, swimming, pools, okay, everything's going to be blue. So I, I read the the scenes inside Madison's house are the only ones where a light blue tint was not added as like a filter on the camera. Uh, Travis said, wow, they turned the contrast all the way up. So yeah, yeah, I feel like it was just trying to give that vibe of like you're in the indoor swimming pool the whole movie. That's a good point. Yeah. Is that what it is like? If you're in an indoor swimming pool, it's like the contrast is turned up. 
I mean, I don't know about what they actually do for the lighting, but for some reason, that's just like the sensory memory I had with that is that it feels like an indoor pool because it's like the water is kind of like reflecting off the walls and the lights and stuff from the. I don't know. I think that's what it is. I think it's the blue light like reflecting out of like a prism almost on onto the wall, like a light prism. Yeah. Uh, So Madison, the, the girl who plays her, Erica Christensen, her character has some coitus in the swimming pool. We will get to that scene, but that was not the first time that that actress had done that in a movie. <laughs> she also tiptoeing. She yeah. had had done that. She had also engaged in a little coitus in a swimming pool in a movie called The Banger Sisters, also released in the same year. So not a lot of range for this actress in O2. I was gonna say, I her manager was making choices for. What he thought she was capable... I'm going to assume that her manager was a man. What he thought she was capable of from an acting chops perspective. You're suited for sucking dick underwater (laughs) and that's it. I mean, you got to stick to your core competencies. Hey, maybe she's just really good at giving water BJs. Okay, but clearly it's a movie and I... Yeah, she's not actually sucking wieners underwater. But I would say that being able to like simulate... Or suggest the essence of without actually doing it is a talent in its own. Yeah. Look, I actually, I liked what she brought to the table. <laughs> I'll be honest. Like, I didn't hate her that much. And she's like a, like a massive villain. Um, okay. Last fun fact. Th- we already talked about it with Fatal Attraction. This film is widely considered to be an unofficial remake of Fatal Attraction from 1987 with Michael Douglas or... Play Misty for Me, which I guess is another Fatal Attraction movie from the 70s. But um, anyways, I think it's just like like we said, it's a teen Fatal Attraction movie. It's bringing all those elements to the teen world. Which I still, I think it's crazy watching it again now that the whole premise of making it Fatal Attraction means the stakes are so high. But because they're teens, it has this weird element of like, this is the consequences of sex. Like the, oh, you will pay the ultimate price, which isn't really like the message of fatal attraction in itself that like, this is what you get when you have sex. <laughs> yeah, I know. No, it's a good point. And I have like my one key learning at the end of this movie. And just to tease it a little bit, it sounds exactly like what you just said about like the consequences of sex and how essentially you spend the rest of your life paying for a high school consequence of having sex, like outside of your high school girlfriend. I was having such a fun time, like trying to put myself back into the mentality of like, how was I perceiving this when I had watched it the first time being a teen girl? And then of course, like, are you supposed to relate to Amy's character, Ben's girlfriend who gets cheated on? And, but then I'm looking at it through the perspective of the boy again, a 17-year-old kid or 18 at the most. And, you know, you you do cheat on your girlfriend in high school because you're a young boy. And it's such a different thing than, like, imagining a person in their 30s choosing to, like, step out on their significant other. It's high school and you're a horny boy and, like, you just found out what it feels like to have your dick inside a vagina. You're gonna... Is that too explicit? No, not me. I'm just like, I can't relate because that wasn't happening to me in high school. But yeah, I see what you're saying. Hypothetically, if I try and put my head into like people who are having sex. Yeah, in high yeah, school. Yeah, and like all my high school boyfriends cheated on me. Yeah. Shout out Drew Ashton. Fuck you, Drew. <laughs> 
But like now that I'm looking back on it, I'm like, of course, like if another girl were to like offer them that. But then imagine those were the consequences. <laughs> Explain the story of Drew cheating on you. I'm just curious. How'd this go down? Because it's always funny to hear like high school cheating stories. So it actually is kind of like I felt like I was Amy. It was this earth shattering moment. So I was 16 and I like he was, you know, my first like love. And it was we were 16. So I actually could see this person like outside of school as your forever <laughs> exactly no but he was like you know he was in and out of like uh the detention hall and was like true in oh, a lot and bad he, boy yeah he rode uh bmx bikes Damn. around town and you ever ride on those pegs he did oh you know yeah. i did that was and a rhetorical he, question he did a lot of of loitering and other such crimes we smoked cigarettes Damn. um <laughs> god this guy sounds like a fucking badass he was a catch he was a yeah. catch he was so cute he was on the hockey team so I was a sophomore. There was a girl that was one year older than me that was like the known slut. Oh, yeah. I won't like we lo- out we can't her s- full name. I love you saying that because as a dude, like in 2021, I obviously can't use slut at all. So I love when you say it. Well, and also I say that from like a standpoint of, you know, that when you were a 13 year old girl, you were calling this girl a slut and it's terrible and it's a toxic like environment I feel bad because again she was also a child and I don't think that her you know it was a self-esteem thing or something so yeah I do feel bad for yeah that said she was probably like (laughs) fucking around a lot but so like there was like whisper rumors that she wanted to be with my boyfriend and then I literally was like driving my car home and decided to be like a creep and drive down to his street oh and saw God. her car in his driveway. And that's how I found out. And then I just had to drive my car home and like, yeah. oh, actually, I think I drove to my best friend at the time's house and just like showed up on her front door and was just like fell into a puddle on her front step. And I just cried in her room for the rest of the day. Did did he just <laughs> flat out admit that he did it? Oh, yeah. 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 I think like I ended up calling him or something or we texted about it or something and he like straight up admitted it again he was a little boy full-on sex yeah oh yeah fuck god she was a slut i mean again it's like i just it, we everybody was stupid kids and like you thought that's what she wanted but it's not like anybody was having like really wild like he wasn't getting it a certain right. way for my 16 year old like it was just it's just stupid kid stuff but yeah so then <laughs> <laughs> or then imagine if Sam, that's the girl's name, uh, then eventually like came around and hit me with her car. I know. that. Okay, so let's go back to the movie because next thing we got to do, and by the way, that story was amazing. Um, <laughs> next thing we got to do is guess some Rotten Tomatoes. So. Oh, God. <gasps> now, if we were guessing the audience score, obviously both of us would probably just say, what, 100? But, right. But, I mean, at least like above, I would say like above 50 right because yeah are, is it audience. just us that have this perception of it being like a classic like probably <laughs> but we have to think critics we got to think okay. like what the critics oh. are thinking so oh it's got to be low <sighs> yeah it's got to be real low i would say below 20 probably i, I do i have to give like a yeah give okay a, give an exact 18 i was thinking low too i was thinking a little higher I wanted to go like 28. We'll go through some of the scenes. Like, it is not a... Uh, <laughs> What'd you guess? It is not a cinematic masterpiece. I said 18. 
fifteen percent with the critics and the audience only thirty two. No, fucking what? I mean, I will say that it definitely. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of loved it. I was real like I was high when I watched it, and I was like, it's not a masterpiece. But as far as like a teen. It is entertaining. It, it is. It's like it's a shitty movie. I would not but have been disappointed in two. What what year did this come out? Two thousand two. Yeah. If I had paid like six bucks to go see this in two thousand two, I would have felt like I spent my money well at the end of that. It's also like it's not very long. It's it was an exactly. hour and twenty minutes. Mwah. So it's like cool. You get in, you get out. You tell a teen fatal attraction story. The the back half of this movie moves like really fast. Oh, it like, escalates quickly, very quickly. <laughs> I hope you took really like I didn't even take notes on that part. I was like, oh my gosh, this this the scenario that unfolds, well, it yeah. all of a sudden turns into like an Ocean's Eleven style. Oh yeah, <laughs> just like the complexity and the sequence of events that happen, it's it gets real. Well, intense. there's there's two endings. <laughs> I I wrote notes on ending 1.0 and then ending 2.0. There's literally two separate endings to this movie where I feel like they just film both as like a we'll film both and then we'll see at the end of the day which one we want to go with. Or he thought it was going to be such a success that like this will be the director's kind of yeah, alternate ending. Alternate ending, <laughs> and then he's just realized like. No, I'm a really shitty director, so I'll just put both endings in. It gave me um, vibes of, one, the Lindsay Lohan classic, I Know Who Killed Me. Never seen that. That's We should do that one. Okay. And then, uh, but it's just another, like, trash thriller, pretty short, really bad. Like, it's almost like it's bad on purpose with, like, the jump cuts and, like, the just the directorial oh, choices. God. The jump cuts in this movie. <laughs> I, I felt like I was watching, like... Like a Tony Scott movie or something where it was just like, boom, 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 boom. It, some of the scenes, and I know it was made to like make her look more crazy yeah. and stuff. But like some of them I was like, dude, guy, <laughs> director, John Paulson, It was like that down. was the technique he had. Like <laughs> I like I said, sticking to your core competencies. He was like, what if we, like, I what just hear me out. What if we did a jump cut in this scene? <laughs> uh, okay. Now hear me out again. What if we did 17? <laughs> jump cuts in this scene but john this is like a 30 second clip i know and i yeah, also exactly. wonder if it's just kind of like okay neither of you leading actors can actually <clears throat> carry the scene from your acting style no. to like portray this the craziness and the the tension that we want to create in this scene so like don't fucking worry about it we're on take 300 and like <laughs> your face is still dead ben and so we're just gonna bunch. Of, we're just gonna edit in a bunch of jump cuts. It'll be great. Yeah, I, I honestly, you know what? Good, good segue talking about Ben. Let's just go to Ben in our first character player breakdown. Here it is. Ben Cronin, a.k.a. Jesse Bradford, a.k.a. the only guy you'll do a podcast for is this guy. <laughs> I mean, do we have any other movie titles we could do? <laughs> I, I think this might be really his biggest hit. Oh, no. I wrote down one more. So <laughs> I we we talked about him a little bit. I think I'm bringing on so we don't have to go like full in depth. Plus, honestly, like I researched him. There's nothing interesting. 
he really had like a back to back to back run where he did bring it on this other movie, which I want to get to in a sec and then swim fan and nothing else. After watching him, I I mean, I was super pleased with him and it's just like his bone structure and like he does like the half smile like. Yeah. He has an interesting mouth. Yeah. Very unique, unique mouth. He uses his mouth in in ways that please my eyes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that perspective (laughs) as a female. I, I notice his mouth, too. It's very unique and. Look, just look at the toothbrush scene and bring it on. Yes. Doing okay. a whole lot with his mouth. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And then uh, in the like very first scene where he meets Madison, when he's like picking the lock in the locker, he's like holding his mouth like very like posed in, a, in like a seductive way, like while maintaining eye contact with her while he does this like intricate fine motor skills with his hand picking the lock. Yeah. That was like the mo- so I guess he's just really good at like these fixating moments where he's like doing something not sexual but you're like oh you took me there i know what that lock is standing in for Uh uh-huh underpant change yes exactly i you know some actors i feel like they fuck you with their eyes yes you know i think of like heath ledger and um Mm -hmm. in uh 10 things i hate about you or there's some actors that fuck you with their eyes but then like yeah jesse bradford's like fucking you with his mouth just goes straight for the mouth stuff yeah so sexual with it. <laughs> so that other movie I was talking about in the middle of Bring It On and Swim Fan, he did this movie called Clock Stoppers. <gasps> I remember that movie. I've okay. never seen it, but I really like kind of want to add it to my VL movie list because I just read the premise of it and I had never heard of it. But essentially the, the whole premise is this guy just gets a watch and he is in high school and just yes. essentially gets the ability to move so fast yes. that it's like time stops for yes. everyone else. Yes. So. But I then just, of course there's consequences because then yeah. like the space time continuum gets disrupted or whatever. Butterfly effect stuff. Exactly. Well, yeah. and like that also that Justin Timberlake movie where I don't know, it's like the borrowed time concept always like. I'm not like a quantum leap type. Like I kind of don't really usually respond well or I don't think that those concepts are like done well. I remember that movie though. I definitely saw that movie and I must have watched it because I was obsessed with that dude. So yeah, you're going to have to let me come back on if you're going to cover that movie. Uh, Add it to the list. (laughs) Add you to the list on that. So how many weird things would you have done in high school if you could stop time? For me, the first 10 that come to my mind are sexual. And then like, then it really falls off a cliff after the first <laughs> sexual 10. I feel like that's such a like boy thing too. Because if I'm thinking about if I could stop time, I think I probably would have like stolen stuff. Mm. Just like robbed people's. Fr- but no, because so, I mean, so I, I, I like had jobs where I worked at places and I was like always a girl that would like never even like cut a couple dollars out of the cash register like most people did that in their like shitty high school jobs and I wouldn't even do that but I was like a drug addict by the time I graduated high school and so I would have probably like stopped time and gone and like stole old ladies pills so (laughs) both of us it would have been weird like you would have been borderline just committing criminal offenses yeah it would have been uh, deviant behavior yeah uh, look there would be you know what are you gonna use your time stopping for for like (laughs) <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. So, anyways, that I, I just that movie Clockstoppers it jumped out to me, and I'm like, I really want to see this movie. Yeah, I was his. I was his target demographic clearly because he. Yeah. I saw all three of those. <laughs> Had the poster on the wall. Yeah. I, honestly, my sister might have. Okay, Madison Bell, number two on this list. Not smooth transition by me. Erica Christensen, <laughs> Madison Bell. What do you think? Honestly, all I kept thinking about with her, because it's like, of course, for this, you're going to have to think about, wow, they chose. She's she's really the focal point of the crux of everything in this movie. Choosing her as the leading lady, I think, was an interesting choice. But she just looks like she like I want to. She looks like she'd be really soft. Like she just has like pillowy skin, like and pillowy lips and like her hair looks pillowy like yeah. she just there's something very like soft and like round like and almost like a like a 20s or 30s like film noir type of era oh yeah totally because she's not like stick thin like hot model or whatever right. she's she's very just like sensual i like the adjective of pillowy she has very curly hair and just like soft and yeah. supple, soft and supple. Yes, soft and supple. Like her, yeah, everything. Her whole body, like wide hips. Yeah, and usually boobs. you would think that you know you could choose somebody uh, like uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar or somebody that's more like angular for that yeah. kind of like evil play of just like look at the jawline and look how like severe that is and how menacing that could be when you're you know showing them more like playing her manic she still looks so like angelic almost and honestly that's why i really bought this because in the first quarter of the movie where she's like it's like innocent flirting like he's got a girlfriend she comes around and it's like oh new girl and i'm just kind of like innocently flirting with this girl who's she's not like a threat when you look at her she's not like a sexual threat she just kind of looks like well she even dresses almost matronly yeah yeah, long silhouettes, like long skirts and stuff like that. Uh, again, I just kind of got a vibe like she was, it was like a time, it was a time drop. Like she was from a different era and just got like placed in this shitty town in New Jersey. Yeah. Um, couple fun facts on her. One, she took cello lessons for three months prior to filming this movie. <laughs> and so, then there's like two scenes where you can see yeah. her fingers. <laughs> Well, all that says to me is she's method, just like Nick Cage. <laughs> oh, yes. Please take her she, seriously. She's so method. Uh, another one. This one disgusted me. She <laughs> oh, God. has had to research several movie roles in which her characters experience various aspects of school life. And this is because Erica never went to school. She was tutored at home by her parents. She was homeschooled. <laughs> <laughs> Fart noise. <laughs> Travis was homeschooled. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> That's classic. God, that reminds me. I'll make me. sure to tell him to stop listening right yeah. after the opening. Tell, tell him to stop that when we get to Erica Christensen. That reminds me so much of exactly the moment I did that when we were hanging out at our job with this douche Mike who we hated. And I went on this big long thing about how anyone who grew up with an out of ground pool is just pure trash. <laughs> It's either you have an in-ground pool and you're cool, or you had an out-of-ground pool and you're garbage. And then Mike goes, I grew up with an out-of-ground pool. <laughs> it 
was like, this fuck i love moments like that too because it's like you say this stuff that's so stereotypical like yeah. mean boy that went to a private school and it's like hazing shit like it's like yeah. hometown stuff that you would make fun of people that like <laughs> truly has no consequence and like we don't actually give a fuck like at all <laughs> i at actually all. don't know anyone so who is what is so choice about it is like putting it out there and waiting for the joker that fucking like pulls on that line like that falls for that shit yeah. that's like yeah this is this is the hill that i want to die and i'm gonna hey man fuck you yeah. <laughs> Hey, man, fuck you. I was going to like Travis, uh, you know, who, Travis, by the way, no offense. I, I still want to collaborate. He has an hard. above ground pool, too. <laughs> no way. Not at our house, but like, yeah, the house he grew up in has an above ground pool. Travis, I still really want to collaborate on like a cool artistic vicarious living recording studio sign. So let's still make sure we do that. But yeah, no, I really I don't know anyone with an out of ground pool or anyone that's homeschooled in my head. I just go. Yeah, it's if just you like a funny, like abstract <laughs> thing to make fun of, to be funny. Yeah, but. Uh, yeah, and uh, no, that's great because the best part about it is that you pick wrong 100% of the time, the yeah. wrong audience to pull those random abstract things out of, but then the guy that actually like chooses to fall on that sword <laughs> always like, like in that moment. <laughs> that coworker, like everyone was laughing at him like you didn't <laughs> yeah. end up play, yeah. like l- being portrayed as the jerk in that scenario. He was still just like the putts that like didn't take it lightly and yeah. like ruined the bu- vibe and everybody just like packed up their lunches and like that was yeah. the, like he killed the moment just laugh about it guy like yeah you grew up with an out of ground pool who gives a fuck so high school yeah just laugh about it i he did he's the one that made that moment awkward for everyone not me exactly Good. i love that rationale by you thank you so much <laughs> I still feel a little nervous that Travis and I aren't going to become best friends now, but I think we should become best friends. Travis would, uh, he's really into stoicism. And uh, oh, so he would say, whoa. and like the ways of the samurai and like all that kind of stuff. So it's like, you can't touch him. Like anything that you could say about him, that's his choice to let it impact him. And that'd just be like water off a duck's back mm. right into his yep. above ground pool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Here, now I'm going to go, by the way, I love the stoicism thing. You turned me on to stoicism and oh, i'm like yeah, man. fully i follow like four stoicism accounts on instagram now and just like <laughs> i get these like daily messages like I haven't actually read any books or no you know. no no i wouldn't do that but i i travis like, could turn you on to some choice youtube accounts about it too look marcus aurelius hell yeah man one of the guys yeah i know the dad from gladiator is this also is an intellectual podcast yeah we could go so <laughs> deep on marcus aurelius and all of the teachings of the Stoics. But. We're just like balls deep in research on it. We don't. We want to do it justice. So yeah. someday, yeah, we'll, you'll, you'll when you're it. when you've mastered all of the teen drama, then I'll do a Stoicism podcast. This is the cross that you bear right now. You have to you stick to your core competencies. <laughs> Let me keep sticking to that core and go out on a limb again, and also say and do full judging here as well. Um, she. <laughs> is also a prime member of one the religion Scientology. Is she? Yeah. Wow. So, sub Tom Cruise. I I literally am doing a whole lot of judging on that one too. Okay, Tom Cruise. So Travis <clears throat> and I have been watching all the like, you know, the documentaries about Scientology. We got super into it. I started getting down this rabbit hole of like how weird it is that these celebrities actually are like 
end like i didn't really know how bonkers this shit was but i started reading all this like gossip like line items about people throwing in these things about tom cruise fucks fish like he buys fish whole fish yeah and like has sex with his dick in the mouth yeah and i don't know how it's related to scientology but you can google it and like go down a rabbit hole about it I love it. On this pod last week, AJB, he made some very, you know, just went out on a limb, hot take and said that like Mormons are like killing each other and they're like vampires and stuff. So I think it's very fitting that we're now saying that Tom Cruise is sticking his dick in fish. Basically, what you're saying is that we're all creating a scenario where you have to hope that this podcast doesn't go viral or else we're all already preemptively canceled. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. God, if anyone actually ever listened to this podcast, like I would have been canceled so long ago. What are we on? Episode 120? Yeah, I would have been canceled by like episode 13. I was listening to the Twilight episode the other day and I was like, damn. Yeah, some stuff. (laughs) What what crossed the line for you on on that one? Just, I think it's probably going to be a lot of the stuff that we've already talked about here just explicitly. I guess I don't realize how, how... how weird politically incorrect we are (laughs) when like when we're talking about like teen rape (laughs) yeah i know that rape stuff i did edit that down a lot too like it got it got weird in in this room with discussing teen rape about how like it's comparing it to a prison like you either fuck a vampire on day one or just get brutally anally raped no you left that part in there at least some of it (laughs) yeah so i just think about it like it sucks because in the moment it feels so right, and then when you hear it back, sometimes it's like in the stark light of day Jesus. when you're listening to it with your AirPods on at the office the next day. But then here, let me just give the counter to that. I t- I think the interesting aspect of the whole thing though is like hearing what people really talk about, and so it's like I I ba- that's why I usually cut like some stuff out, but I don't cut it all out usually because it's like. Well, that is what we talked about. So we are fucked up. I agree with you. But also, I think it's like, okay, but Twilight is the movie that all you suburban moms took your kids to see. And that was the scenario. So and in like Law and Order SVU is one of my favorite shows of all time. Pretty much exclusively about teen rape. And I watch it <laughs> for pleasure. Yeah. So like, what does that say about us as a society? We're not broken. Society's broken. Oh, and I'm now going to lift this burden off of your back one more time. <laughs> Thank you. So when, you, when, when you're when you listening to this back and you're cringing, just know in the moment, you somehow talked yourself into a rationalization for it being okay. All right. Last couple ones. These are just really small characters. Um, Shiri? Sherry? I thought it was Shiri. Shiri? Yeah. Shiri Appleby. Yes. Love her. She's the girlfriend, Amy. <sighs> I am very, very sexually attracted to Me her. Me too. She Me is too. so attractive. Imagine if she was a girl in your high school too. Like oh, she's God. one of those, because obviously in all these teen movies, something that always takes you out of it is looking at these people and being like, that person looks like they're definitely like in their late twenties. Like Madison Bell's character, like or Erica Christensen's character does not look like a 17 year old, but Shiri's character, like she looks like that girl could have been in your high school and would have been like, the most breathtakingly beautiful oh. breath of fresh air in your hallways. She's like got these really like sad eyes. Like you and I, we were talking about fucking people with their eyes. She like 
makes you melancholy with her eyes and her just her whole face it's just like it's so it cute it could shatter your heart yeah like, like if, you if you made that face cry oh my god that's what i was gonna say he's like you <sighs> never want to make her cry because watching her cry is like fuck exactly damn it which is why she's so perfectly placed as like the girlfriend that you know is the is really the object of you know that's the life that you're really destroying when you're the you know guy stepping out on the oh, perfect no. girl exactly and like when you have this like as a dude a moment of weakness of like you yeah. get with just that pure seduction <sighs> and just then imagine chick. him seeing that face in the oh, hallway my God. again yeah like when she finds what out what did i do yeah by the way have you seen unreal no oh my god it, unreal is the show on hulu and she's the main character and she's a producer for a show like The Bachelor. Oh, actually, I feel like I've seen like I think that's it's one of those things where if you just leave Hulu on for like hours and you fall asleep, like I think it's one of those shows that then started up. Yeah, she does play that. Yeah. Now, huh? It, she's amazing in it. And that show is so good. Unreal. She plays a Bachelor esque like producer. Yeah. And it's like on steroids. So like some of the shit they do, it rings really true for me as a Bachelor fan. But also like it goes, you know, a little it's crazy, a little bit but fan. What do you call it? Fan fan fiction? No. Uh, when oh, it's like fantasized? ridiculous. Yeah. But like. Well, I know what you mean. Yeah. It's like <laughs> searching for heightened. the words. It's like yeah. heightened or whatever. Yeah. 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 That's why I just say on steroids. But <laughs> she <laughs> heightened <laughs> speaks. It comes. It hits a little closer to home. Okay, let's uh let's transition into the movie with that vertical horizon adjacent song we were talking about earlier right now. All in all it was a good day. I mean it could have been worse, but I couldn't help a curse. My fate, once again my timing's all wrong. Once again I'm a little bit too late. I forgot about real time, so lost in how you remind me of the dream that got away. All right, movie kicks off with Ben. He's got it all. We already said it in the plot. He's got good friends. He's got a kick-ass relationship with this awesome girlfriend who's a smoke show. And he's on the swim team, and he's, like, vying to get a scholarship. But he has it all, but with a little bit of a dark past. Oh, yeah. As a 17-year-old, he's already had like a comeback story or like a rising above the odds story where, you know, he had to do a stint in juvie, but now he's got it all. And, you know, it's only his entire life on the line, this swim scholarship at Stanford. I know. Fuck. Like, anytime he pulls up next to a cop. Yes, (laughs) They like look at them. They don't forget these cops in this little town. They're never going to forget the kid that like picked a lock when he was 11 and went to juvie like fucking. It was so weird that they portray it as this dark past and that he was also like the pain in these cops side of the entire town. Just an 11 year old that like (laughs) stole a couple sodas from a 7-Eleven. 
and that like are they picked, don't or picked locker locks at their school. They'll never forget to steal lunch money or something. Oh, and there's even like a a detective looking guy later in the movie that it's like they've just been waiting to you know waiting for him to mess up again. Did you notice who that was? That no. detective. I I mean I didn't recognize him from anything. I don't think. Have you seen Orange Is the New Black? I think. I, you haven't i mean i've God, seen a couple episodes so but i'm still not like yeah i never i never got that yeah. deep into it well then you won't but he's joe caputo he's he's the the warden of the female prison oh. in orange is the new black which i just remember the tall guy that's like a prison person oh yeah he that's like has a, a mustache guy. yeah yeah <laughs> orange is the new black is like amazing show all right i'll it's watch it good quality i feel like now there's just too many shows and so i just end up watching the same thing over and over again because the anxiety of getting into a new show is just too much for me yeah it's there's a lot there's a lot out there but orange is the new black is is definitely a good one um so he's got a lot to lose but he also has like a little bit of a dark past so he's like reformed he got through his dark past and he's going for this Stanford scholarship which again I love that it's high school so you can build an empire and shatter an empire of like as far as your whole life and all of the accomplishments and all the aspirations in like a two-week time frame yeah so he meets Madison and Madison's this new girl she just moved here a lot of mystery no one knows what's up with this girl but we've already gone very in-depth into the supple nature of her body she is at her locker. That's where we're introduced to her first. We already discussed, like, Ben comes up. He knows how to pick locks. I mean, this guy. From his criminal past. Yeah, this guy, he knows what's up. And I was actually laughing because on this podcast, we've said the cool move, and this happens, it's it's cliche at this point, but the cool move is the guy who goes up to the locker and says, oh, you can't get this open? <laughs> You thought he, he was going to fonz it? Yeah, it just gives a little like punch with his fist and it just pops open. But this guy, it's not that move. It's like he's got, he uses, and this is big because this comes back in a big way. In a, oh. We'll call it Chekhov's hair piece. <laughs> Do you know a Chekhov? Bobby pin? Should we Chekhov's bobby pin? It's a hair piece that he pulls out of her hair and call it Chekhov's because you know the whole Chekhov's gun rule? Yes. Okay, so Chekhov's gun, we know it's... If there's a bobby pin in the first act, oh, there's yeah. going to be some lock picking by the third. <laughs> yeah. So just that bobby pin is going to come back in a big way in this movie. He picks the lock. Now we're introduced to her. They have a little like sexual tension, like flirt thing going on. Seemed innocent. And I do want to say, when you're making the allusion to, you know, like the the common high school trope, I would argue, like, if we're going to layer in the sensuality, sexuality layers to this, the, like, probably the quarterback of the football team would use his brute strength to just, like, manhandle the locker. <laughs> Not Ben. <laughs> no. He says, look at what these hands do. Uh, and they have this whole intense moment about it. Yeah. Because he's not just that brute strength guy. He's like, you know, he's the soft guy with the the feelings. That's his whole character is he's a bad boy who's kind of reformed. He's no longer doing that shit. And we move forward. I feel like he also gives those vibes <clears throat> and bring it on. Because yeah. him and his sister are kind of like alternative adjacent. And I feel like at least at my high school, like the swim team people were kind of like not the 
stereotypical all-star athletes. They were kind of like the ones that were a little bit more dicey. They're, they're not like the stereotypical jock football guys. Because like the stakes aren't that high. Like I guess if you get to go to Stanford, like then you go to Stanford for free. But like whatever. You know what I mean? Like it's not like, oh, and then if I become a basketball player and then I'm like a bajillionaire, like it's high school yeah, swim team is just like the stakes aren't that high. You're not going to become Michael Phelps guy. Just try and get a college scholarship out of this. And then you go on, you know, doing like investment banking stuff. And that's one thing that I was kind of disappointed in the movie too, is they made no effort. Talk about Erica Christensen, like put forth the effort to, <laughs> uh, like be a method actress and learn to play cello for three months. <laughs> These dudes clearly were not doing laps. They do not have swimmers bodies at all. No. Oh no, not at all. Cause Ben Cronin is like five, seven soaking wet. So <laughs> because when you're wet, you, you get know, a little a bit joke. taller. <laughs> um, he's not, he, he's not, I think a swimmer's body, long torso, yeah. six, three long arms, long torso. And like bigger on top, like almost like a upside down triangle. Oh, yeah. 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 Small legs. Yeah. Like look at Michael Phelps. Exactly. If you see him, his body. Exactly. And I mean, they are like 17 year olds. So I guess you don't really have your like adult body, but they definitely should be, you know, bigger on top than that. Yeah. <laughs> I like guys big down below, if you know what I mean. I know that about you. <laughs> All right. Let's now go to, let's keep the sexual tension rolling between Madison and Ben. Ben. They go out to dinner real quick. She strategically leaves. Yeah. We cannot gloss fuck. over this yeah. scene. She strategically leaves her music notebook in his car yes. so that he has to like give it back to her. Which, again, like, there's all these things that, you know, you talk about Chekhov's bobby pin. It all, like, comes back around where, like, he almost hits her with his car. And then she clearly intentionally leaves her notebook in his car, which, like, there's going to be another call back to, like, her intentionally leaving stuff in her in his car, which is, like, the very first sign that you're seeing that she's, like, a calculated person. Because very when we calculated. first see her, she, like you said, she's just, like, very unassuming. Like, she doesn't dress, like, super provocatively. She doesn't, show, like, seem like the new girl that's going to, like, show up and be, like, the hot slut. Like... She yeah. just seems like an unassuming girl. But then when you see that she takes this opportunity to like make sure that he comes back around, we can start to see she's got this all planned there. She's very, very calculated, calculated seeds are being planted. And I want to just say in a vacuum right now, at this point in the movie, leaving a notebook in a car to get a call back. I'm not hating it at this point. Up to this point, I don't think that's that bad of a game move. If you're trying to get with a guy, you just subtly leave the notebook behind. You now know he's got to reach back out in a non-threatening, creepy way. And it's very high school where yeah. you, you have to throw out these like grandiose, weird movie scene types of things because you don't really get to see people outside of school if you don't have like a pointed reason like that, which I'm assuming she like left her phone number in the notebook or whatever. But yeah, that's some type of shit that I would definitely do where like you accidentally leave something behind. So then the guy has to. Yeah. follow up with you like never happens in real life no but. no 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 yeah i think in real life the guy just like he either never sees that notebook in his car or he just 
He's like, oh fuck, I'll bring it to her. Like I'll I'll bring it to her at school like the next day if I remember. And then it's just like, hey, I got your notebook. See the ya. dudes I hung out with would probably just let it sit like at the where you put your feet in the car and just let his friends stomp all over it. Yeah. And then three weeks later, I'd be like, you said you didn't have it. Hey, did you and see then- my notebook? <laughs> Yeah, I oh, would no. say they would have said they definitely didn't have it in their car, and uh, then yeah. I would find it like stomped <laughs> to pieces yeah, three it's weeks like later, covered in mud. <laughs> like, oh shit, it is there. My bad. Did you leave that on purpose? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, he's he's a little more conscientious than that. Okay, so then they go out to this dinner. I only wanted to play this quick clip because this is still at the point where there's like some sexual tension going on and you can hear it in this clip. I should really take you home. You should. Yeah. But uh, I'm not ready to say goodnight. What do you want to do? That's playing the game right. Well, it's also like, again, a moment where it's supposed to be high schoolers. But then she's talking. This is the first time we hear that she has a boyfriend in New York. And we find out that she knows that Ben has a girlfriend. But she gives some story about, oh, well, until we live in the same city, my boyfriend and I agreed to see other people. (laughs) Because that's some, like, 17-year-old maturity that would definitely be happening. Classic open relationship at 17. Exactly. No. I I think she played that really well because I think she was only going to bring up the boyfriend thing if he brought up the girlfriend first. And he did. And so now it's like, oh, I don't want to come off as creepy. So I'm going to actually... Oh. I don't care if you have guy. I've uh, well, I'm not trying to hit on you, idiot. I literally have a boyfriend too. This is just two people hanging out, getting dinner together. <laughs> Relax, guy. So I uh, still, again, up to this point, I am a hundred percent on board with her crushing this game, and it's working because she's playing like sen- sensual and seductive enough to where she's getting this guy intrigued with her, and I just think she's she's owning up to this moment now. Where it flips is the infamous pool scene on where they go after this dinner. Which, again, it still starts out pretty like the first scene that the first time that you see her when they get to the pool, because it's like, I'm not ready to say goodnight. Jump cut. We're in the pool. He's swimming laps. Ben has 24 hour access to the high school pool. Why is he? Okay. My first question, and and I don't want to get too much into picking nits because we'll get into that in the award section, but why is he swimming laps? And she's just sitting on the side. Well, because she can't swim. I know she can't swim, but he didn't know that yet. According to her, I'm sure she, well. He didn't know that yet because she says it once she actually gets in the water. But anyways. I'm sure it was some like, oh, you're such a good swimmer. I'd love to see you do laps. I don't know. Isn't that like a thing that men do? Like you want to like show off your bod and like what you're talented at? (sighs) Maybe. I guess. I don't know. Maybe I just don't have any talent. So or like, I'm not I see it. here. Here's how I see the scenario is like she wants to make it super spicy. But again, she's playing long game. She's playing like side game where it's like, let's get to the pool. 
and then oh i just want to see you swim or like oh, you I get see. in oh, you're it's the innocent. swimmer it's innocent yeah and then all of a sudden when i'm in my underwear three seconds later it makes a lot more sense organically on how we can like super slow burn escalate this and that's what that's exactly what, so still we're still going to give her props for crushing this game because crushing the game he's swimming laps and great by the way the only good editing technique i saw in this whole movie was the the camera's like panning alongside him alongside the pool as he's swimming the lap and it's like going alongside and you see her sitting on the side of the pool with just her legs in the water wearing a like leave it to beaver skirt like she looks like she's from the 50s still super conservative looking I literally don't even know how I did not mention this fun fact until right now when you said Leave it to Beaver. Do you know she's in Leave it to Beaver? You're right. She is. I had a crush on her in 1997 when I was 10 or 9 or whatever. And she was like the hot girl that Wally Wally Cleaver was trying to get with in Leave it to Beaver in 1997. I swear to God, my like substance rattled brain like i have these like i say things and it's like i clearly had that impression memory uh, yeah that was that was subliminal wow yep that was totally we're talking a lot of psychology a lot of sociology tonight again this is an intellectual podcast yeah it is <laughs> but yeah she i god i was like i had such like a crush on her when i was younger because she was so attractive and, and it's that baby face and the the yeah, she, in the hair. It's the curly yeah, hair. I have a is. weakness for curly hair. I have a weakness for it. Okay, so the camera's panning along. Her legs are just in the pool. And then we pass her. She goes out of frame. He hits the end of the pool. He starts coming back. And then they show where she was sitting. Now no one's there. And it's like, damn, she moves fast and creepy as fuck. Which then, that's the best part. And I will say, yeah, so we should give this guy some credit because I think that in that scenario, that's the first time where it's like you see this girl like moving like a cat and you don't really realize yet how it's actually kind of like sinister how she ends up moving around. And then when she's like a psychotic presence that keeps like showing up in his life and she just like appears like that in this scene she just all of a sudden appears in her lingerie in the pool and it's like oh sick so you're like really like excited that she has that surprise factor but then it like comes back to be the like haunting thing about oh yeah 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 very frightening oh when it comes back around she gets in the pool just her bra and underwear on and great body i mean fuck Talk about now we're seeing the suppleness. We're seeing it. We're seeing it. We're Full. seeing the suppleness. <laughs> we're, we're seeing the subtle curves uh, everywhere on this chick's body. And she gets in. Now it's like, if you're a dude, look. Bone. I'm just saying there's no possible way if this whole dynamic is happening. You've had this like sensual like thing going on. It's like forbidden. It's like the forbidden fruit again on steroids and if you're a dude even if you have a girlfriend and then now she's getting in the pool like that you're just like a moth to the flame you're just like drawn to it you can't even like before your brain even can like register what's happening you're just like oh god oh god oh god so they connect and then that's where she says i can't swim of course her game obviously so good they go to the deep end i don't know why if she can't (laughs) swim They go to the deep end and it's like he's trying to fight it, but there she's like kind of pinned him up against the back of the wall. 
I and, mean, it's the very, it's like one of those scenes where it's, it's, you know, we, we, again, we don't want to make it look non-consensual. We need it to look like they both really want it, but he has to look like he's trying to put up a fight. When to your point, it's a 17 year old, even if he was having sex with his girlfriend, the opportunities that you get to have sex with anybody like again you're 17 he was talking about with his girlfriend my parents aren't home so we might get to like have this body contact <laughs> yeah. like this dude's losing his mind it yeah it, it's just you know you're thinking with you're trying to think with your head but then like the thoughts of your <laughs> dickhead really come into play and so she's got him pinned up against the wall and she just reaches her hand her hand into his <gasps> pants, grabs his dick, because he's like questioning it. He's like, I don't know. I don't know if we should do this. She reaches her hand down. She goes, It's all right. I've got a little secret. Oh, <laughs> maybe not so little. Full <laughs> dick size innuendo right there. And then there was this insane thing happening as they started hooking up where she says this <laughs> Tell me you love me You don't have to mean it Just say it for me I love you Okay so we have to sit in this moment for a little bit Imagine you're 17 Psychotic shit Again to this point we have stressed how great her gameplay is that she's like you know sweet unassuming not available but it's chill all of a sudden three pumps in tell me you love me oh god she just transferred to this school and you just met like yesterday are you still gonna continue this moment with her Which we don't even have to play that game, the hypotheticals. The crazy part is, spoiler alert, in the movie, he does keep going. And he oh, does. Oh, you can't say, stop. If you're a guy, that, if you're. There's no rational thought that's going to enter your head. So if she could have said anything in that moment, she could have literally said any weird thing. And if he's physically having sex with her in that moment it's not gonna matter and then again it's like i keep trying to remind myself to watch this movie through the lens of reminding myself i was a teen when i was watching it and these are supposed to be teens in the movie so it's a very like mature scene where you know it's not like how high school sex is usually portrayed it's very hot and steamy very (laughs) mature but then the concept of a teen girl like that's giving herself in a vulnerable way asking the person that she's having sex with to tell her that he loves her i could kind of see that happening fairly frequently with high school girls oh yeah i mean maybe not like on day three of her being in the new city but yeah like if you are like talking with this guy you really want to get with this guy you have all those teen feelings or whatever I could see wanting to hear because that. when you're yeah. a teen, like sex is love and love is sex yeah. and you think you love everybody. And if we're having sex, of course you love me. And what she does say, you don't have to mean it. <laughs> oh God. Okay. So now we know this chick as a viewer. We're like, she's probably a little crazy. I'm sure when he woke up the next day, he had a serious feeling of fuck. God damn. Like guilt override. Everything that's going on in the scene is pointing to now he's thinking about his girlfriend and knowing he made a bad 
mistake. Madison now, this is where I'm just going to rattle off all the things and we're going to jump ahead in the plot with just rattling these things off. But we should say at this point, it kind of ends and it's kind of like an agreement of, yeah. well, I did tell you I have a girlfriend. I, we kind of, you know, I'd like to play this low key, basically. Right. And like, are you, you know, it kind of ends on, are we just going to be friends? And they kind of agree that they're going to play it quiet and it's going to be you know, a one night thing, I guess. So he thinks he might actually have get gotten away, away with, with it. it. Like, fuck, no I, consequences. Made, I made a horrible mistake, but maybe this chick is cool enough to just kind of like let it ride. Just two horny people who don't have a moral compass at all. <laughs> just trying to do some water coitus stuff. Anyways, she then, after they agree, it's cool. She rattles off all these psychotic things. She puts a flower in his locker and then he sees her later and she's wearing that same flower in her ear. She left her panties in his car. She I would also say even in that same scene, purposely seeking out his girlfriend and befriending her. Yeah. Tr- inserting yes. herself into the scenario where he now is like confronted by both of them in the same room and knowing that they now know each other. And then she she tries to get him to s- to get her, the girlfriend, to see the panties in the car, yes. too. So, yeah, she's she's pulling power trips all over the place. She starts instant messaging him like crazy um, from this swim fan, 85, 85, which I did the math. That must have been her the, birth year or his. Oh, yeah. Because he was like 17 or yeah. whatever. So either way, swim fan, 85, um, sending him alerts on his pager. We talked about that. She befriends his mom, starts going over to his mom's house. <laughs> she shows up at his house with flowers for his mom. Oh, but this is yeah. the best part because it's not just that. It's the power move of then him, you know, when they're alone in the room together, him being like, what the fuck are you doing here? And her being like, well, you said we're friends. And uh, yeah. usually friends like it when their other friends show, you yeah. know, bring them flowers and we see each other and we, you know, we hang out and, oh, I cannot friends gloss over pee-pees. this. The, so he's now realizing that he's got himself some big boy problems of this girl's in my house. She's befriending my mom. Like this is some crazy chick stuff. The quote, if like if memes had been a thing in 2002, he they're having this like a moment in the living room when she brings the mom flowers and he says something like, I think that you have misunderstood the nature of our relationship in a fundamental <laughs> way. Fundamental way. <laughs> yeah. And that was like, amazing. That should be a meme. <laughs> the, yeah, I have gotten that stern talking to from many a fuck boy. And that was so like articulate and like mature for like a 17 year old to say like i think you have misunderstood like dude guy you're the one with the girlfriend and you just fucked this random chick like in a pool like who are you to like come down on her like you're some superior being using these big words well and also it's like all of a sudden all of this has escalated to like very adult stakes Oh, yeah. Yeah. Full on. We're now out of high school. We're, we're out of high school. We're in real life. And OK, other real quick thing. She starts sending him like all these nude pics, too. So she's emailing him. He gets on. He goes to the, the school computer to check his email like we all had to do. And he has like over 80 emails in the last 24 hours of her. And most of them are nude pics. And then I want to play a clip where 
she like confronts him in the locker room or whatever and he's like telling her like look bitch fuck off and and then there's this scene ben what's going on i don't understand you're not returning my calls are you mad about josh i'm late for work listen he doesn't mean anything to me when i'm with him i pretend it's you Did I do something wrong? Would you just talk okay, to me? Madison, I have a lot going on right now, okay? Maybe too much. Maybe you should consider dropping some of your commitments. Jesus, Madison, what don't you get? I'm, tr- I'm trying to drop you. You don't mean that. Madison, I don't know any other way to say this except to just say it, okay? I'm not with you. With Amy. Amy, I told you this. Do you remember? And he's like, I'm not with you. I'm with Amy. And anyways, this chick just like doesn't get it. She doesn't get that she was just, he was horny. That's it. (laughs) It's also, it's like, I cannot, I feel like. It's it's very femme fatale and it's very it's like fatal attraction, but it is this. It's almost like she's gaslighting him now, or it's like now you're wondering is she just actually crazy or like what? Because again, these are supposed to be high school kids, and it's imagine this scenario and how he thought it was gonna play out, and then what the scenario now is. She's telling him in that in that scene that she's now she's hooking up with the other guy on the swim team. Yeah, his and friend, his best friend. And she's saying, "I pretend it's you when I'm with him." So again, how quickly have you escalated your infatuation to this person? You've already started having revenge sex with another high school kid on the swim team, and you're in the locker room invading the boys' locker room, telling me. This rant about how, you know, it doesn't mean anything with I'm when I'm with him. I'm envisioning myself with you. And again, this dude is like, chick, like, I just wanted to get my dick wet one time. Exactly. She has in her head a warped sense of a relationship where somehow she can like, like speed up. Talk about clock stoppers. She has like sped up time to where she has like in her fucked up crazy head projected an entire like five year long relationship with this guy over the course of 48 hours. And to your point about gaslighting, I just figured out what gaslighting means. And I'm pretty sure it is. It's like inception. And she, the whole, I love you thing where she goes, tell me you love me. Then he says it now in her head. She's like convinced herself. He actually loves me. And that is like gaslighting. You're you're manipulating your narrative into somebody's psyche by force you're taking right. control of someone's like own thoughts and feelings and i think that that's a part of it too i like that in the movie it's like he actually he has that moment where he breaks and he's like i'm trying to get rid of you but he actually like doesn't push back as much as you think that he would because it's like when he gets the download of the naked pictures like he still does kind of seem like intrigued or there he is kind of still like tangled in the web a little bit which i have to go back to the nudie pics yeah 
the download, the digital download uh, where yeah. it started Been at there. like 10, like a eight by eight inch pixel. And then yeah. just the pixels, it took a, you know, a good 15 seconds for this image to download. And then it's her holding her digital camcorder or whatever it is that she, that's like, that was the tech. Cause I was sending nudies in 2002. I can tell you, you had to take the picture on your digital camera and then you had to take the cord and you had to plug the digital yeah. camera yeah. into your parents' computer yep. and <laughs> yeah. plug, you know, yeah. save the files down yeah. and then upload them into MySpace or whatever the fuck you were sending them over, uh, instant messenger. So uh, here's another thing. On those nudes, <laughs> they're not even nude, right? I mean, wake me up when they're nude. <laughs> I, what the fuck? Like, I know this. But again, movie's PG-13. you have to think about in two thousand two, and, and if we were watching that movie, I think we would have been scandalized by that concept. Like now, it's like yeah, just it's right. such a like played yeah. out thing that everybody has their nudes leaked. Like, who doesn't have nude pictures? Like congressmen have nudes out there, but like that was not a thing. You were not like taking. You weren't making porn of yourself and no, sending right. it out in mass like we do now. It's that's totally right. The nude she they showed of her, she's got the camera like right in front of her nipples, so you she's naked, but you can't see like her nipples and it's like from waist up, so you literally just see like her hands holding the camera in front yeah, of her boobs. But you've so, become yeah. so uh like desensitized. Yeah. We've been so desensitized. You would have right. been scandalized yeah. by that. Yeah. No, good point. Okay. Fast forward to she let's just now we gotta rattle off like her her more psychotic shit that she's like now taking to the next level. So this is like psycho shit Madison list two point Uh she tries to kill an old man <laughs> she does. in a nursing home. Then she tells everyone, including Ben's girlfriend, that she had sex with him. That's what we were talking about earlier. We see the girlfriend's face yes. and crushed. <sighs> Fuck. Brutal. She then somehow dilutes his fucking pee with <laughs> like testosterone and different steroids to where before his big meat, they like test his pee and... Now it's like fucking with his Stanford scholarship. Yes. What the whole movie's built on. It's him getting a scholarship <laughs> Which, to Stanford. again, imagine the scenario where this girl has just moved to your town. She seduces you in a day. She's now ruining your life. She knows where you live. She knows when your mom's birthday is. She somehow has gotten her hands on anabolic steroids and find a, found a way to... You know, it's like she all of a sudden knows all of the pressure points to, like, destroy his life instantly. She's ruining his life. I, I It was making me think of this clip from Dumb and Dumber. Oh, that's it. We got no food. We got no jobs. Our pets' heads are falling off. Okay, just go. Everything's going wrong. That's how I was thinking for Ben. Like, everything is going wrong for Ben. And it's all this fucking chick who's just ruining his life then she actually like full-on commits murder and she f murders his best friend who you know I, I wasn't a big this guy's bullying kids with hearing aids and everything either way she just full-on murders this guy that she was like having sex with to make him jealous and now she's murdering him and pinning the murder on him by putting like the murder weapon in his locker and again how quickly all this stuff escalates and like if you actually think about the logistics of the types of things that she's now doing, at what point did she lure him back into the high school and then like bludgeon him with his own bat 
murder him and get him get his body in the pool it's just crazy the the antics that this woman is capable or this girl is capable of like luring men places and actually successfully murdering them and like moving their body and she's like a full-on serial killer yeah (laughs) and then when you're watching the movie it's like okay so did she know who ben was because it's like again how does she learn all this stuff about him i understand it's high school and so other dudes aren't that hard to seduce but it just seems like she's like gotten in in every place so quickly i think that may be why it's 24 (laughs) percent you know it's like there's a lot of holes on like exact her exact motives and just from like a logistical perspective how she goes about like carrying out these crimes it's like a lot of question marks and holes and and just from the simple like psychology of a natural progression of crime then you have to assume that this is not the first time she's murdered oh no 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 and and that's so this kind of segues into we don't know necessarily if it's the first time she's murdered, but we do start to figure out, and this gets us into our ending 1.0. We do start to figure out as Ben is starting to like, his life has gone to shit and he's now got to like start to figure out like, all right, I got to take this chick down because she's ruined my life. And we start to see that maybe she hasn't committed murder, but there's some thing going on with this guy, Jake Donnelly. So we again not full on murder but the guy is like there's he's a, in a coma he's in a coma he's like got an iron lung like keeping him alive essentially and the whole thing is something happened with Madison with a car wreck where like we it's insinuated that she like took his seatbelt off and but I don't know that they insinuate it that far other than the fact that you know she's acts like just totally certifiably insane but it that's what where I was thinking, you know, sympathetic to the crazy oh, maybe woman. That just happened. That was and that was the and thing that, was that kind yeah. of triggered her. Like she she did have this beautiful relationship with a real man that did love her and he was a star athlete and you know, she thought you know, as you do when you're in high school, thought that this was gonna be the love of her life and then a tragic car accident happened and she was in the car, she was fine, he wasn't, and then that's kinda like when she went yeah, crazy. Let's go with that, because I like that because now now that gives us like some more concrete it's like a, it, motive and yeah. context into how she got so it's fucked up. It's a backstory up. that makes yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it makes it more understandable how she could go okay. zero to one hundred so quick. So ending one point she runs his girlfriend who's on a moped, Amy. She runs her off the road. Amy's now in a hospital. Somehow she gains access to this hospital and she's just got a knife like that she's pulling out of her pocket. And I guess she's just going to like slit her throat or something. It's a scalpel. It's a little, yeah, a little scalpel (laughs) that she's going to commit murder with. And just as she's about to like do it, we get Ben's plan coming to fruition on the loudspeaker at the hospital. Paging Jake Donnelly. Paging Jake Donnelly. Just keeps playing. Paging Jake Donnelly. And at this point, Madison's also like lost all of her kind of like angelic aura that she had. And they, I feel like they did makeup that makes it look like she's like drugged out or something. Like her eyes are all sunken and she's definitely just like in a fully like 
psycho like psychosis at this point she's fully turned like there's no semblance of a human being left like she's a full-on robot at this point so paging date jake donnelly like she hears that and she's honestly like triggered back to like whatever happened with this dude who's like now in a coma and she like follows the silhouette almost of jake donnelly who it's this all you see is like the, the this guy from behind in a, like a letterman jacket and a hat and she's like oh my god that's jake what the fuck goes out into a parking lot turns around turns out it's the guy with the hearing aids as <laughs> as he she's standing there about to kill her own cousin with the hearing aids wearing the jake donnelly outfit fucking ben comes in grabs the knife from behind and gets like really shitty with her clip you don't have the guts <sighs> i think i killed josh that I tried to kill Amy. I'm already gonna spend the rest of my life in prison. What's one more? Don't be mad. I did it for us. Us? You don't have it in you. Okay, so when this scene plays out, it's super drama because in the oh god, the friend yeah. has the camcorder. Ben called her up and was like, "I know we're not that close, and I know I cheated on your best friend, <laughs> but he- hear me out. This is gonna sound a little bit crazy, but I know you have a camcorder, and I need you right now for evidence." And then Madison <laughs> just full on admits to like committing all the crimes as like Ben has a knife up to her throat. He's like, "Yeah, I did this. I did that. I killed that bitch. Yeah, fuck it. Killed that guy, your best friend." And then yeah, they they record the whole thing, and so that's. Boom. Cops show up. Ending 1.0. I, as I'm watching this at, you know, at 33, 15 years after I saw it the first time, I'm going, okay. That's <laughs> case closed. That's it. Movie is completely over. He's exonerated. His future can be restored. We're good. Now, <laughs> again, let's go to the alternative ending where they just shoehorned it in at the end. So we're just going to call it ending 2.0. Madison's in a cop car. I'm going to save one massive element I have with this scene for my picking nits section at the end. Madison's in a cop car. There's a cop sitting in the back seat with her. Drinking coffee, spills the coffee. Gun is just completely unholstered on his side. Madison grabs the gun, shoots the two cops, escapes from the cops. So now we're fully into ending 2.0. Fugitive. Fugitive, escaped convict. She's now a serial killer who is also part of the... Serial killer at large, cop killer. Who's killed cops. So so she goes and kidnaps his girlfriend. After she's kidnapped, Madison takes her to the pool. Because, I, you know, this to have... To have like a very cinematic, it, it, every all the stars align ending in this movie, it's got to end at the pool. And so she takes her to the pool, handcuffs her to a chair. Ben goes in. Madison is like essentially got a knife to Amy's throat. Very like cinematically, she's going to make her drown in the water. His girlfriend, it makes all the sense in the world because he's a swimmer. <laughs> so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you drown in the pool. And then there's this clip of her yelling this shit to Ben right before she's about to kill this girl. You see that? Look, look, see? Right there. That's where we made love. Madison! Ben? She doesn't love you like I do, Ben. No one will ever love you like I do. You can stop all this if you just admit it. 
can't do that. And lots of jump cuts. Lots. Of oh jump my cuts. god! Lots of jump cuts. She pushes her into the water. Ben dives in, swims as fast as he's ever swam in his whole life. She wait. She and then she also. Uh, Madison has like I don't know if it's like a thing that it's you like skim the pool with, or it's like a rake. <laughs> it's like a it's yeah a skim thing that you yeah. get like leaves out of so a pool. So it's such a chaotic scene because now Amy is is handcuffed to a chair and that's in the pool and then there's all these jump cut scenes of madison losing her mind and kind of like wringing her fingers through her hair like tell her you love me having this psychotic moment and then cuts jump cut she's hitting <laughs> hitting she's ben stabbing with the water. like the pool skimmer <laughs> but she the, but she can't she swim. can't swim so she can't get in so Ben, bring back that checkoff bobby pin. He's still got that fucking bobby pin. Don't know why he's still hanging on to that. Because he seriously is hung up on her. I guess so. He grabs it underwater. He can't get Amy free. He finally remembers like, oh shit, the bobby pin. I know how to pick locks from my checkered past. And picking, uh, I'm sure, cop handcuffs. Oh uh, yeah. That's with a bobby pin. Child's play for this underwater. guy. Underwater. Child's play. He... Gets it picked, gets out of there. She's like going to rake him. He grabs the rake <laughs> as she's trying to stab him, pulls her in, finally gets Amy out of the water, and then fucking awesome news. Madison, we remember, can't swim. She's drowning, <laughs> and finally that bitch fucking dies. I do want to play a little bit of the sympathetic side. Oh, yeah, go for the serial killer? I well again I I mean if we're if we are playing the scenario where she we think that she just really was like a normal girl before this and then yeah, and tough. then you know boyfriend ends up in a coma and then she kind of loses it but I do I I do think it's kind of like it's slut shaming it's kind of like shaming mental illness and then I it's it is just kind of like whoa I still think maybe I'm just like sensitive that that they let her die and then it's yeah. like the what you're supposed to take away from it is like the beautiful perfect virginal girlfriend gets saved and then we just like let that bitch die but <laughs> if you know that what i bitch. mean like if if we do yeah. read the story as like she had a boyfriend that something tragic happened to and then she just kind of like snapped i do feel a little bit bad that he doesn't at least pull her out and like because clearly yeah, then the cops yeah, would pull come her out, and, do like the Batman. Yeah, and move. then she'd get like institutionalized and yeah. it wouldn't be like so grim like, oh, well, now she's dead, too. Because then it's just like, wow, a whole bunch of people are dead. And it's kind of like, damn. Well, so a couple <laughs> things like one, because his girlfriend was still like choking on water when he immediately got out he of the pool. He could only save one. Maybe. He could only save one. So it's like, obviously, he's going to save his girlfriend versus the girl who just committed murder. But then two, it's like I almost feel like if she hadn't killed people, right? Then I would say that it's because because if say say we're just factoring in all the fucked up shit, like 
she had a mental break when her boyfriend died. Super sad, all that stuff you're saying. Had she not <laughs> murdered people after yeah. that, I think then I would say that. And so casually. But yeah, the fact For that no she... For no reason. Like, she, the, the other swimmer, like, she really didn't need to murder him at not all. Not at all. I she mean, didn't she didn't mean, need to murder anybody, She but. didn't need to murder the old man she tried to kill <laughs> out of nowhere. Yeah. Like, she yeah. tried to kill his girlfriend. She didn't need to try and... So, I think had she not... She needed to be stopped somehow. Like, yeah, yeah I guess you she could say the justice system, we already gave them a chance and they failed because she was able to <laughs> yeah. get the gun from the police officer that was for some reason chilling in the back seat with her with his gun unholstered. End of this movie. We we let's harken back to the beginning of this pod. For me, I had some key learnings and the big key learning at the end of this movie, at the end of ending 2.0 was they show Ben all this is done. The dust is settled. It's all done. And it shows him at the end and he's at the swim meet, but he's not swimming. But when he gets in his car, his girlfriend has like forgiven him and they're back together. So it's like happy ending with his girlfriend, but he didn't get everything back. He didn't get the scholarship. He didn't go off to Stanford. He didn't get it all. And so like in my head, the lesson I learned was it's like a, I will forgive give you but i won't forget you less you into do this have movie to pay a little yes. bit so it's like ben you can end up with the girl and she'll take you back and forgive you and all that stuff but at the end of the day you did make a horrible mistake and cheat on her and because of that you don't get it all you don't get the scholarship which i wish that they would have played it the opposite way of the way that the it usually not yeah, the girl. I feel like that's the way it usually goes for men is like you get more accolades and you end up getting everything you want back because men love yeah. sports and men love rewarding men that behave badly and mistreat their women. Whoa. Hot yeah, take. that's true. <laughs> <laughs> and then so then it would be like, oh, well, then you lose the perfect girl, which would to me be like the true consequence. And and uh, it would also yeah. just make me feel better about Amy's character because she got hit by a car. She almost got drowned like her. Like think about the concept, the trauma, like she's going to need therapy for the rest. She definitely has PTSD. She is like a broken person. Like this is not something that you're just going to like let the dust settle. Uh, you know, if I, this just pot, thought popped into my head, but if we did a swim fan too. Maybe that version, the fans want it. Maybe that version is Amy becomes Madison. This is her traumatic event that gets her to fucking psychologically break. And then, yeah, she goes on and just full on becomes like Madison 2.0. It's a vicious cycle. Yeah. All right. Awards. Are you ready? I'm ready. Ryan Phillippe practice hero award. It's easy to sum it up when you just talk about practice. We sitting here, we're in here talking about practice. We talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We talking about practice. We talking about practice, man. Practice? I mean, how silly is that? I've got th- four nominees. I just want you to pick. I'll list them out. We're wrapping things up here. Number one, I don't remember his name. I was Madison's say- <laughs> super weird, nerdy cousin with the hearing oh, aids. Okay, so I got it. Do you want to list them all and then yeah. I get to go in on them? I want you to pick one and then go in on that one. Okay. 
Okay, so of the four, Madison's super weird nerdy cousin with the hearing aids. Number two, Ben's swim coach. Three, Joe Caputo, the FBI agent, who I'm pretty sure is like the biggest douche of all time. He essentially, it's a it's a FBI agent who uses the motto guilty until proven innocent, not the other way around. They just ha- they get like tunnel vision in their head for like this guy's guilty. Well, and it's also like your whole personality becomes like the cold case that you can't let go of, and yeah. like it ruins your like. It, it destroys your relationship with your wife and all your children for like no reason, but like you just can't let it go. That's his whole vibe. Yes. Like this kid's still just like a low level, like <laughs> yeah. druggy in high school. dude. Yeah. Take it easy, Joe Caputo. <laughs> That's three. And then number four, last guy nominated is Ben. Wow. I thought that I know. I know. It's, I, it just, he was doing, a, there were some scenes where I legitimately thought he was going to like kill a girl or at least punch a girl. And it was getting like into a weird zone of like, I get it. She's like murdering people and ruining your life. But dude, you still can't hit a girl. And it does make it uncomfortable no <laughs> yeah. matter what, right? Okay. So those four, who do you want to give it to? And who do you want to go in on? For- well, I do want to just give an honorable mention to like this off character i couldn't tell you his name but you'll probably like he's in scenes he's like the other swimmer like there's three kids on the swim oh, team his other friend then the one that dies and then the other one with the pencil mustache yeah. he's like the scrawniest of the f- three and he's just like always in the background telling everybody else great job and like <laughs> when ben is like all in his head after he has sex with madison he, oh, yeah, he like he's just up. like hey man what's 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 going on with you man i like that though because that's like a classic dude thing like clearly your friend has just made a horrible mistake and is is the problem like he's the one who fucked up but because you're he's a like your dude Bro-code. friend you have to come up be like dude man bitches be crazy <laughs> What is she so pissed about, dude? <laughs> Fuck. I mean, goddamn, man. You're just trying to get your dick wet. Well, and it's like that vibe of he's clearly not as good of a swimmer. He's not as attractive. Yeah. So you almost have that like, you know, that like lesser friend that really like emulates their peer in yeah. high school. And so they're always going to like hype you up and also rationalize your bad <laughs> yes. behaviors he's for you. He's a great you. wingman. Yes, Great exactly, wingman at a bar. Exactly. Getting no pussy ever. Okay. So those five. Who do you think was doing just way too much? I mean, I think I have to give it to Christopher Dante, the cousin. The hearing he aids. actually does the most. And there's a whole side plot that we didn't even get into where it, it takes a twist of this whole like murder mystery. It also gave me like vibes of Zoolander where David Duchovny's character when he like blows the lid off of like the, oh, the underbelly ha- of the modeling industry like I have to show you something. I'm sure it's like a trope <laughs> that happens in the a lot of model. movies. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like that like I have to show you what's really going on yeah. here. Come look at this box under her bed. It's all the newspaper clippings. <laughs> this will be shell shocking. And then I'm yeah. going to drive you to New York. I can't just explain the scenario to you. I'm going to drive you to New York so you can see this dude's yeah. body for yourself. That's doing the most. I, the kid, I yeah, I feel really bad for him, but he was doing, he, I, he, I'm fine with that as the winner, but I also, yeah, I felt really bad for him because he just got shit on relentlessly. Okay, second section, picking nits. 
let's just do the cop one real quick because we've already discussed it. In no way, shape, or form would there ever be when you're arresting someone who is an alleged murderer, you would just put a cop in the back seat of the cop car with them, with a gun unholstered right next to them, and the putz is just like drinking coffee, filling out paperwork. He spills the coffee like a dunce idiot. And it's like, that would never happen. Well, and then it's like, is the scenario is, you know, if we're, are we supposed to believe this? And then is it like a dig on the incompetence of police officers or is it like a dig on, they can't see her as like a vicious murderer. They just see like, oh, well there's this like 16, 17, year old girl and like she's she's clearly not a threat and so they just like have their guard down and that's how she keeps getting away with all these terrible things right i don't know i don't know which one it is but whether it's cop incompetence or she's just an innocent 17 year old either way it's egregious i think that just nitpicking the fact that it just totally uh, once again the the escalation of events and especially if you were to like be watching this for the first time and really not knowing like how far this is going to go and how big the stakes are really going to be. You think that there's definitely been enough for this to be a drama filled thriller. And then again, they they go back in for like double dipping. Double down. She's now a cop killer. Double, triple down. <laughs> I know it's like it, as if it couldn't get like the stakes couldn't be high enough. Yeah, I know all of that. The only other one I had was, at what point do you, like, not get a restraining order? Or do you not, like, tell someone else? Like, it's the most frustrating thing in these movies where it's like, dude, you don't have to go at this alone, guy. And and no one believes him. Like, why does no one believe him? Why would no one believe him? If, if... I get he picked locks when he was 13. Exactly. He's not some dude that like shouldn't be believed. If this guy, especially like his mom and his girlfriend, if he's saying these things, it's like one, he should have told people. And two, if when he started to tell people, someone should have believed him. That was that was my biggest like nitpick as well, because I think one, obviously just the whole thing where people then paint with broad strokes when you're like the kid with the rough background. But then it all becomes so uh, just like nonsensical because people don't actually like understand the the technicalities of like when you're a drug addict, like what kind of drugs was he abusing? You know, when he gets accused of of taking steroids and then everybody immediately believes, oh, well, you were like you had a drug abuse problem before that is all of a sudden grounds for like everyone to believe that he's capable of murder and cheating and and uh, again, and he's just a liar. So to, to your point of associate everything, it's like, yeah, he did that. So now he's capable of doing that. Right. And now also he's a liar. So whatever his opinion is, whatever he says, not believing him, not believing him. He picked locks when he was 13. So now he's a liar. Exactly. He's like, it, yeah. And again, it, it, in that town, that entire town was just waiting to throw the book at it. Oh, my God. I <laughs> hope a fucking fatal attraction 16 year old girl comes into his life and ruins his life because I am going to immediately not believe anything he says about it. Yeah. Okay. Last category, and then we'll wrap this up, is MVP. Now, I have thoughts on my MVP. I want you to have first crack at it. I 
mean, it's got to be Madison Bell for me. That's exactly who I had. The fucking villain. <laughs> the villain of the whole movie who is a serial killer who we all wanted to die at the end, kind of. Yeah, like when I first thinking about it, I was like, oh, well, there's no MVP, but honestly, it's her. <laughs> I think it's got to be her. She, I was like thinking afterward, and I even said earlier in this podcast, like, I think she came in with a with a plan. She had a very like layered up, like well thought out character arc and story for that character. She learned how to play cello. And what would this movie have been without her crushing it that hard? I mean, clearly, I think she was the only person really like taking it seriously. Or I think (laughs) no, (laughs) clearly the director wasn't. He didn't give a shit. Or, like, maybe she really kind of thought that this was, like, her chance to be in kind of, like, like an art piece or something, you know? And she, she wanted this to be kind of a showcase of, like, her chops, you know? Because she really, she really brought it. She, she her range, her, her, like, zero to 100 range that she, she hit everything in between zero and 100. And she played that like 1920s or 1950s, leave it to Beaver, whatever. She played that like innocent, what would we say, uh, pillowy yes. character really well. <laughs> and then she also played the psychotic bitch where she's yelling like, tell me you love me. And she does the face, the uh, like disassociation where it's like the dead behind the eyes face oh, right. where you're like. In, like where you're in this like passionate moment screaming at him like feeling really enthralled in something and then all of a sudden just like the flip of a switch and it's just like completely like unplugged like hard reset on your fucking system dead. and it's just like dead behind the eyes she does that so well uh, it's a little disappointing honestly that she never like became i don't know i just felt like let me down a little bit career-wise yeah, it might not have been the best film choice overall. But it's it, it is one of those things that it's kind of a crapshoot because there's so many other garbage movies that yeah. were made during that same time frame. It could have easily been her in 10 Things I Hate About You instead of Julia Stiles. Or I feel like you could insert her yeah. in a lot of movies that Julia Stiles got the part. And so it's kind of one of those things where like sucks for you that Julia Stiles came up at the yeah. same time. Yeah, I think that's right. I think she just so much of this stuff is just what project did you pick and who are you going up against in that time frame? And if you're going up against Julia Stiles, she could have got save the last dance, but instead she got (laughs) swim fan. (laughs) That's a good note to end on. Like ending on that note. Hey, (laughs) Becky M. Thanks for coming in. Third time pod. Good stuff. You're at the point now where I can just fully rely on you to, to bring the heat, you know? Oh, thank you. I mean, the chemistry between us is just unparalleled. Palpable. On this, it's palpable. And you know what? I love that we're we're keeping the fire alive. Yeah. I mean, no longer working together, but that doesn't matter. We can still teen podcast yeah. together. And know? we didn't peak. No. I, well, I, I'm pretty. I, and by that, I mean, like, I would hope that that wasn't like the best I'll ever be. So I, I expect my heat levels to just keep going up. Uh, yeah. And I'm like fully expecting like a 38 year old peak out of me, and that's like five years. When you away. start to get like salt and pepper, I think it's going to be a good. Face I think for that's you. yeah. I think that's my. That's when I really peak. So it's something to look forward to. But kids, it's time for you to tuck on in. You know, time for you to really look forward to getting some sleep, kids. Good tuck luck on sleeping in. a night after this one. Yeah, 
That's a doozy, kids. But you tuck on in, you try anyways, and you try and get some good night's sleep. And kids, I'll tell you, while you're tucking in, Becky M is going to help us sign off and say what? Clear eyes. Full hearts. Do less, kids. You can follow us on Instagram at Vicarious Living Podcast and listen to all of our episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. You know you found us when you find a picture of Pat and I sitting on a couple rocks overlooking the vast landscape that is Laguna Beach. Steven's there, just not pictured. Steven and Elsie, both there, just not pictured.